0: The Pre-Med Year, session number 246. Hello and welcome to the three-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician or a medical student first. That's where you got to start, right? Welcome to the Pre-Med Years. Some of you may be thinking, why does he always say three-time Academy Award-nominated podcast? I'm not talking about those Academy Awards, those for movies and such. I'm talking about the Academy of Podcasters. Now, it's been three years in a row I've been nominated ever since they started the Academy of Podcasters nominations and awards and everything they do that at Podcast Movement every year. And Podcast Movement this year is in Anaheim, California. And the, the actual award ceremony is Wednesday, August 23rd. So a couple weeks as we're releasing this podcast. And to go to the award ceremony, it's absolutely free. And so I would love to bring some people, some, some of you, if if you're listening to this and you're in the Anaheim area or in Southern California and you want to come hang out with me for a little bit at the Academy of uh the Academy of Podcasters Awards and Hall of Fame ceremony, you can kinda see a lot of the other podcasters out there and and uh just kinda hang out and watch me lose again, but that is okay. Uh if you're interested in that, let me know. Shoot me an email, Ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. I am also going to be putting together a meetup for August 21st, which is a Monday, I believe, Uh, Monday, August 21st, Um, I will do some sort of um, dinner in that area. So again, if you're in the Southern California area, go join the hangout, which is medicalschoolhq.net slash group. And in the hangout, I will put the details for the event once those are finalized. So again, August twenty first, we'll do a meetup. August twenty third is the Academy of Podcasters Awards and Hall of Fame ceremony. I'm nominated again. The red carpet party is six o'clock. The award show starts at seven thirty Pacific time. So I'd love for you to be there. All right. With that said, I have a great, fun episode for you today. A ton of questions that came in through the voicemail feedback hotline that we have. If you haven't called in a question and you didn't know you could call in a question, you can. It's 617-410-6747. That's just a voicemail line that you can call and leave a voicemail for the podcast to be answered. Uh, When you call in, don't leave uh, an email address or any sort of phone number on there so that I can just play the full clip in the episode like I did today. You'll hear those. Um, And we also had a lot of great questions come in through our Facebook Live stream that we were doing. So, if you didn't know, I am doing basically daily live stream, daily Q and A show on Facebook. Um, I'm debating whether or not to do it on YouTube as well. I have I have the ability to stream it live to YouTube at the same time as Facebook, Um, but I'm I'm debating what I what I'm going to do there, or if I'm just going to gather up the week's worth of Q and As and then post it to YouTube only once. So. That's still being debated, but what I wanted to let you know is if you would like to come hang out and watch the live streams and everything else, go join our Facebook page, which is different than our group. I've been doing them on our page, and the page is medicalschoolhq.net slash No, it's not. <laughs> I think it's just medicalschoolhq.net slash Facebook. Let me double check that as I'm sitting here typing. Um, it might just be if, if you go to Yeah, it's medicalschoolhq.net slash Facebook, Um, And then click on the like button. And then there's the ability to get notified when I go live as well. So with that said, the Facebook lives, I'm turning those Facebook lives. Obviously, you're listening to a podcast right now. And some of you aren't on Facebook. Some of you don't want to be on Facebook more often than you already are. So I'm turning those Facebook Lives into a new podcast. And I'm going to call it Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A, right? I'm a poet and didn't even know it. And so Ask Dr. Gray, the Pre-Med Q&A, will be a brand new podcast separate from this one, separate from the MCAT podcast, separate from the old Pre-Med's podcast. uh, And it's going to live on its own that you can subscribe to if you choose to. So that will be coming soon. If you're listening to this and you want to go check it out, um, go search iTunes for um, Ask Dr. Gray, uh, pre-mid Q&A, and see if it's in there yet. Uh, it might be. Uh, really, all I need is uh, some artwork to get it in there, ready to go. And uh, yeah, so I'm excited to have a brand new podcast coming at you uh, almost on a daily basis. So that'll be that'll be a busy one. Um, with that said... Um, today's podcast, I did a Facebook Live, I answered a ton of questions, and I hope you enjoy it. Let's go ahead and jump right in. So these questions were called in to our voicemail hotline. You can call in questions if you have any to 617-410-6747. Again, that's 617-410-6747 if you have any questions that you want to call in. So this first question is from Josh.
1: Hi, Dr. Ryan Gray. My name is Toby. I'm currently at the University of Central Florida going into my senior year as a nursing major. And I meant Toby. And I am starting the process of, do, of trying to get all my extracurriculars down, my AMCAS application and want to apply next year. And I was wondering, does all my hours in the hospital of learning to be a nurse, does that possibly count as clinical hours, if I should put that on my application?
0: So, very common question. Great, great question for... Those of you who are coming from a nursing background, whether you're still in school studying nursing or you've been working as a nurse coming in to the medical school side and trying to get your prereqs, the question of whether or not all of those nursing requirements uh, or nursing experiences that you've been doing for the last whatever number of years, if that counts as clinical experience um, for your applications. And it absolutely does. That's a great clinical experience interacting with patients. Uh, obviously, you're not interacting with them as a doctor, but guess what? Pre-med students aren't interacting with patients as, a, as physicians either. So, you're probably doing more than the majority of pre-med students out there who are just kind of interacting in a low-level way um, with students or with patients. So, nursing... Absolutely, whether you're actively a nurse now, an NP, a PA, uh, a nursing student, if you are interacting with patients in whatever way you are doing that with, right, close enough to smell the patients, that's the, that's the saying out there, close enough to smell the patients, that is a great clinical experience. So absolutely, absolutely use that for your application where a second question comes up a lot is whether or not if you are an NP, a PA, a nurse, a nursing student, or a student in any of those other um, provider fields, if that means you don't have to shadow a physician. And I would tell you, no, that doesn't mean you don't have to shadow a physician. You should shadow a physician, period, right? Being a nurse, being a nursing student, doesn't mean you understand what being a physician means, what the life of a physician does, what a physician does outside of that patient room and everything else that encompasses uh, a physician's job, what what she's doing, what he's doing outside of the, the, the patient room. So you still need to shadow physicians to satisfy that kind of requirement for medical school so great question from the nurses in the room that uh, want to move on this next question comes from jacob it's a little bit of a longer one but pretty good one again you can call in questions if you have them
1: hi ryan Uh, my name is jacob i'm calling from telford pennsylvania uh, I am actually a graduate. I graduated in 2015 with my bachelor's in biochemistry, but I took a year off to work in the emergency room uh, to better understand a physician's lifestyle and to better understand if being a physician was really what I wanted to be. Um, after that year, I realized that it is what I wanted to do, and so since uh, September now, I've been uh, studying for the MCAT, and that's pretty much all I've been doing while also having a few undergraduate courses to help me with that, uh, to help me with the MCAT. Um, unfortunately, my my scores still aren't exactly where they need to be as I approach towards January, and I decided to extend my MCAT to March. I was originally scheduled in January, now I'm uh, taking it in March. Um, but again, I'm still not doing too much besides just studying for the MCAT. Uh, I'm kind of worried that med schools are going to look at that and say, well, if you were just doing, if you were just studying for the MCAT during that time, That really wasn't enough. You should have been padding your resume a little bit more with other extracurricular activities. Uh, So I'm kind of worried uh, what I should be doing these next couple of months, um, whether or not I should be still just focusing on the MCAT and going after that and making sure that's taken care of before adding more things to my plate, or if you think it would actually be better to um, start doing a little bit of other things at this point because it, it will look bad Um, if I was just strictly studying for the MCAT and taking a few classes here and there um, for about six months. Thanks.
0: So, great question. Studying for the MCAT, struggling to get the scores that he wants, which is great, right? He knows where he's scoring. He's not where he wants to be. Miracle is not going to happen on test day. And so he's pushing off the MCAT, but he's solely focused on the MCAT. A student can get in big trouble here. And I've talked to students who've gotten that feedback from admissions committees of a huge gap in extracurriculars. Now, he used the term padding the resume or padding the application. I don't necessarily like that term because that's not what you're doing. You're not padding the application. But you're showing consistency throughout the application You're showing consistency throughout your pre-med years, right? Pre-med years podcast. You're showing consistency throughout your pre-med years. Uh, Number one, that you can handle doing some extracurriculars and doing well in your courses and doing well on the MCAT. But it's also proving to the admissions committee that you truly are passionate about what you're saying you're passionate about. If there's a huge gap in patient contact from, let's say, for some reason, you get all of your extracurriculars in the first two years of your undergrad, your traditional student, you get them all in the first two years of your undergrad, and then you don't have anything for two years. And you are like, I'm good, I got 300 hours, and that's all um, that, uh, that one website that we won't name says I need. Uh, I've seen other people post, what are my chances? And, and that's what they've had. And so I'm good, right? I hit that number by my by my sophomore year, I'm good. But you're not. Because then you go your junior, senior year without anything. And when you apply, you have the, the timeline for activities is showing a big gap in patient exposure. And so an admissions committee member is going to see that and they're going to think, wow, I guess Jacob isn't really that excited about patient care because he's been avoiding it now for a year, two years, whatever it may be. So you need patient interaction. I'm not saying you need 10 hours, 20 hours a week, but if you can get a couple hours every couple weeks just to show some consistency, just to show when when you're filling out your application instead of the the time period for that experience so that it doesn't go from, as we're recording this, it's August of 2017. So let's say two years ago is the last time you had any patient contact. So your your application doesn't show August uh, 2013 to August 2015, and then you have this gap. Maintain even just a little bit of time with a little bit of consistency so that you can still do well on the MCAT, you can still focus on the MCAT, but you can also get those hours that you need to keep maintaining that experience so that instead of ending it in 2015, you can say, I'm gonna continue to do this up until my uh, matriculation into medical school. Even though it's not a ton of hours every week, it's still maintaining that consistency so that you can Um, you can put that in your application. Obviously, there's going to be ups and downs with how much you can do during each semester, even during the months within that semester, each year. There's going to be different things that are happening that your availability to do extracurriculars and be involved in extracurriculars and be involved in the clinical experience, the shadowing, the, the leadership, all that other stuff that's going to that's gonna go up and down. You can't maintain a consistent benchmark of hours all of the time. And that's it's okay. So just maintain some consistency, though. It's very, very important. All right, that is a great question, though. All right, we have another great question here from a student um, named Matt.
2: Hi, Ryan. Uh, my name is Matt, and I recently graduated from Columbia University in New York City, and I got a Master of Science degree in Human Nutrition. Uh, my question revolves around the fact that uh, my performance in grad school wasn't as good as it was in undergrad. Uh, in undergrad, I graduated with 3.6 and uh, had a load of different great opportunities I, I uh, was a part of. Um, but my question is, uh, how does uh, medical schools view um, performance in grad school as opposed to undergrad. Uh, Thank you, bye. So,
0: very common question I get from students who um, are trying to improve their undergrad grades by taking graduate level courses. And the answer is really, it depends. It depends on what your graduate level courses is. So Matt didn't really say, he did say here, masters of science in human nutrition. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that human nutrition isn't very, what what is known as the hard sciences, right? It's not very hard science heavy. Um, there there may be some some biochemistry in there. There may be some some other courses in there, possibly. Um, but just the name and knowing what I know from nutrition courses, not very hard science related. And so, when a medical school sees that, they're gonna go, hmm, maybe this master's degree isn't all that it's wrapped up to be. So, you have to be very careful with master's degree. Master of Public Health, definitely not a hard sciences, isn't going to be looked upon very favorably when an admissions committee is looking at your 2.9 science GPA from undergrad and your 4.0 master's GPA science, science master's, science GPA in your master's of public health, it's not going to. They're not gonna go, oh, okay, Johnny can handle his science now. So you have to be careful with that. The best place to go is a couple things. Just do a normal postback, right? If you're trying to improve your coursework, trying to improve your grades, just do a normal, normal, normal postback. The other place to look at, if you wanna do a master's, get a master's in something, Get an SMP, Special Master's Program. That is typically a very specific program set up a lot of times through the medical school or through the institution where the medical school is located. You're taking courses with the medical students. Sometimes you're proving to the admissions committees that you can handle your stuff. The problem is when a lot of students are looking at this, they go, oh, my GPA isn't that great. And this student... Um, had a 3.6, so I'm not sure why he's worried about his GPA. 3.6 is is a good GPA. Um, A lot of students will have a plan B, right? I've talked about having plan Bs before. A lot of students will use the master's as their plan B and pick a master's based on their ability to find work if they don't get into medical school uh, after applying. So they that's how they choose their masters, not what's the best masters to get me into medical school, it's what's the best masters to find me a job if I don't get into medical school. Very different thoughts behind why a student is doing what they're doing, and in my mind, that second line of thinking is harmful for your overall path into medical school. So, we have one more caller here, and this is an interesting one. So let's hear this one from David.
2: Thank you, Ryan. My name is uh, David, and uh, I am calling because I wanted to ask a question. Uh, I live in Portland, Oregon, and I wanted to ask a question regarding uh, maybe going to uh med school or even a uh, PA school um, more, more specific. Uh, I am a uh, 34 years old. I don't have any prerequisites for, for anything. I have uh, nothing underneath my belt. And, uh, but it is something that I am uh, strongly considering. And I wanted to call and see what your thoughts were on that. Uh, I have a BA uh, from a uh, university of California, Santa Cruz in the classics. And, um, just uh that I got that five years ago, and uh currently just uh hanging out doing not too much, but uh I want to go back to school, and uh I'm again thinking about uh med school or p a school, and uh, just again, want to see your thoughts and how to get started uh if it's a a, a thing I should do or not do, I guess, uh, in such a late late time uh in my age, and that's about it. Thank you.
0: All right. So, there's a lot I want to pick apart with this specific question. This student mentions that they're sitting around not doing much, right, graduated with their bachelor's, um, considering medical school, even PA school, and they're wondering uh, what to do, if it's a good fit, whatever. So. The fact that the student is calling me and a- asking the question of should he do it, should he not, right? I can't, I can't answer that for anybody. Only you know if this is right for you. Now the problem that I had with this question is the student said he's sitting around not doing much, just thinking about medicine, PA school, a medical school, PA school, he should be out doing. Go shadow a medical student. Go shadow a medical student. Go shadow a medical, a physician. Go shadow a PA. Go and get involved in clinical uh, volunteering. Be around patients. Don't sit around and go, oh, I really like scrubs. Let me, I, I think, I think I want to be a doctor my, my original degree didn't do much for me. I'm just sitting around doing nothing. Maybe being a doctor is what I want to do. Right? You, you can't think theoretically about this stuff. You have to go do it and make sure that you enjoy being around patients, that you enjoy the sciences behind being a physician or, or being a PA. And if you, you have done both and you are looking at both, and you're still unsure, you need to go shadow the physician, go shadow the PA, go ask them questions. What do you like about your job? Ask the PA why they didn't go to medical school, why they, why they chose to go the PA school route. Uh, and, and some PAs will be like, I, I didn't get into medical school. Some PAs will be like, I didn't want to do four years of medical school and then a residency. Some PAs will be like, my mom or dad was a PA and I, I loved what they did. I loved that level of, of, of responsibility, I don't like more responsibility, I don't like the rest of this stuff, I, I'm okay okay, just being a PA, uh, and then the physicians will, will give you different reasons for why they want to be physicians, but you have to go out and explore it yourself. Don't sit around and think high level, what if, w- what does it look like if I'm a doctor? You need to go out and experience it for yourself, and so that would be my advice for this student. So it was interesting. I, I, had a, I thought I had another voicemail ready to go from a student who, di, who was doing the exact opposite as David here. A student was saying, uh, I was taking, I'm taking a gap year. I'm, I'm just now exploring medicine and I'm shadowing and, do, and get, doing some research and, and trying to figure out what I like. And it was the perfect, <laughs> um, a perfect example of, of what to do to show you're interested or to learn if you are interested in becoming a physician or a PA or an NP, whatever it may be. So those are all the voicemails that I have. Again, if you have a question, call 617-410-6747, and we will do more of these Q&A shows where you can call in. So we had a couple questions come in through the Facebook Live. So if you're listening to this in the podcast, I'm doing this on a Facebook Live. I've been doing basically daily Facebook Live. So you should be a part of our community on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash medicalschoolhq. Like the page. There's some buttons there where you can get notified when we go live so that you can um, come hang out and and learn as we go. So some questions that came in while we were... Um, going through those other questions. We had a question from Sammy saying, uh, I was wondering what my next step should be. I have secondaries that are going in. I'm still doing volunteer work, but I feel like I should be doing something more. What do, you suggest I, um, what do you suggest I should be doing in the event that I don't receive any offers for interviews or acceptances? Should I be working towards some research, postback MS, and biomedical science? what should I do right now? I'm working full time to save up funds for school. So that's kind of the plan B thinking, right? Of of what if I don't get any interviews? And you kind of have to think that way at this stage of the game. Um, I think it's still too early though. Sammy, I, I think for anybody in this situation, if you are applying to medical school, apply to medical school, go all out, get all of your secondaries in, don't let anything else distract you from that, right? That's your main priority. Get all of your secondaries in, get your primary in if you haven't done that, take the MCAT if you haven't done that, but get everything in as soon as possible. And then you sit and wait. It's a waiting game. And so while you're sitting and waiting, the time that you were taking to write all of your secondaries, do all that other stuff, go and put it into more stuff. Without knowing specifics on why you didn't get an interview, it's hard to offer suggestions. So the the best answer is talk to your advisor and find out where the weakness in your application is. Is it your GPA? Then go do some post-bac work. Is it your MCAT score? Then go retake the MCAT. Is it lack of clinical experience? Go get some clinical experience. So there's... It's a very easy kind of way to look at your application, what's missing here, what didn't the admissions committee like about your application to not get any interviews. And it's the same thing if you do get interviews, but don't get any acceptances. What is it about the application? Sometimes it's not the application, sometimes it's your interviews, right? We had Natalie on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and Natalie... The last application cycle that she applied to, she applied to school three times. The last application cycle that she applied to, she had interviews. The first one, she didn't. Second time she applied, she got interviews, uh, six or seven of them. Waitlisted, I think, at uh, one of them, rejected from the rest. And applied again. Didn't do much to tweak her application, but applied again. Works with me for mock interview prep and then she got five, I think six acceptances, and just had her white coat ceremony at the University of Michigan. So there's there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle of of why you didn't get in the first time, or why you didn't get in, uh, why you didn't get any interviews, or whatever um, you may have. So that is for you, Sammy. Um, Ryan, how many hours of shadowing do med schools look for? There is no great answer, Ryan, for that. Uh, I typically say have at least 40. That's just a random number that I came up with, though. There's, there's no hard science behind any of it. Um, there, there really is no right answer to that. You need to have enough to know that you want to do it, um, but you don't need hundreds of hours. We have another question here from Emily. Can you do a normal postback? If you already have the prerequisites for medical school, also what is a normal postback? <laughs> so there are um, two types of postbacks. There are what's known as academic enhancing postbacks, academic enhancer postbacks. Those are for students if um, you have your prereqs already. Then the academic enhancement is for those students. It means you've taken the sciences, but you didn't do too well in them, and you need to retake them. There are also career-changer postbacks, and those are for students who don't have the science prereqs, and they need to take all the science prereqs, um, and so they go and do a career-changer prereq. So if you go to the AAMC, they have a postback page um, with a database of all of the postback programs out there, and you can sort and filter by state and by type of program, etc. So those are the couple ones that you have. Um, we have a question from Baroth. Uh, should I try to take biochem a semester before I take the MCAT, so that I can review it over winter break, or take it in the spring semester so it will be more recent? Um, I I don't know. <laughs> it's it's up to you. Depends on how good you are at uh, remembering stuff and being prepared depends on where the MCAT falls into that. I don't know if I'd recommend taking it while you're trying to prep for the MCAT. I would try to take it earlier as, uh, as possible so that it doesn't interfere with your prep. Um, Adam says, if I have a great amount of non-medical volunteering with some military stuff... Thank you for your service, Adam. Should I focus on shadowing more if I only have time for one option right now? So, I, I kind of go back to my previous answer. Shadowing isn't the end-all be-all, right? You, you need some shadowing, but clinical, the clinical experience, being around patients, is much more valuable. So, if you have enough shadowing, dump it and, and go just continue the clinical experience. MJ, what if your advisor is kind of useless? (laughs) Um, You've covered that some pre-med advisors don't acknowledge students who have GPAs or MCAT scores that are less than their arbitrary measurements, so the school has a good acceptance rate. But what about advisors who don't do anything until long after you need their assistance, like granting committee letters after you've already graduated, pushed ahead uh, on the MCAT, and gotten shadowing in? MJ, unfortunately... There are great advisors out there. There are bad advisors out there, just like there are great doctors and bad doctors and great everything and bad everything. If you are having problems with your advisor, understand that you don't have to have that committee letter from them. It's not re- required to apply to medical school. So if you feel that getting a committee letter from your, your committee is not going to help you uh, and, and is going to hurt you, then skip it. right? Just cut, cut them out of the equation. Have the letter sent to AMCAS directly or to Interfolio uh, or to ACOMIS. Have the letter sent directly and just cut the committee out of the process completely. Don't let the committee hurt your chances of getting into medical school. Xavier, what are some of the best qualities that you've seen from successful students who were admitted to medical school? There are a ton of great qualities. Um, you obviously need to uh, be determined, be hardworking, uh, be smart enough to get good enough grades on, on your, in your classes, get a good enough score on the MCAT. But really what it comes down to is being certain that this is what you want to do. And having that understanding, being able to reflect on everything that you've done leading up to the point of your applications, reflecting on that journey, and being able to, uh, through your personal statement, show that reflection, show why you're doing this, not just that you did do it, because most of the students have done it. Now it's just a matter of reflecting and explaining that reflection to the admissions committee members through your personal statement, and if you're lucky enough to get an interview, through your interviews. So that's really where it comes down to. Uh, Xavier also has a question about how important is research and publications? It's not that important. It's important to go and explore it. Go go and see if research is something you like. If there's some research going on that you enjoy, great, go do it. Publications are, it's hard to get a publication. So getting a publication it's just an extra line that you can put in your application, but it's not like, oh, this student is published. We should accept him or her. It's not that important to get published. Go get some research experience, and, and remember that there are lots of different kinds of research. There's clinical research where you're actually interacting with patients and the physicians. There's bench research where you're interacting in a lab, typically with a, a PhD who's the PI um, doing all of the research. So. Lots of, of different research out there. Go experience it and see if you like it. If you do, great, keep going. If you don't, go uh, find something else. Uh, Ryan is asking, do extracurriculars participated in during dual enrollment at, at a college in high school? Uh, are they relevant for the medical school application? Also, what do medical schools think of high school AA students, does it help strengthen an application? Everything that happens in high school stays in high school, it's kind of like Vegas, right? Unless, um, obviously transcript-wise, if you're taking dual enrollment courses, those grades are gonna pull into your application for medical school. Um, this question came uh, earlier in the Hangout as well. A student was asking about if one of their most meaningful experiences happened in high school, should they mention it? And the answer is no, you shouldn't. It's kind of a an unwritten rule among advisors is whatever happens in high school, extracurricular-wise, stays in high school. Now, if you do an extracurricular in high school and continue that for a good chunk of your college career, great. Mention it. Put the start date in high school. That's fine as well. Um, but Other than that, getting an AA while you're in high school, it doesn't, I mean, maybe it shows that you're dedicated, hardworking, whatever. But when you're at this point, an A is an A is an A, a a, um, a, a degree is a a degree. So I I don't think it really matters. Uh, Mason, I have about 60 credits from three different schools from eight years in the military Better 3.6, just started my first full-time semester at the university I'll be graduating from. C in physics 1 and 2, both summer semester. I bit off way more than I could chew, I guess. Even though this isn't my first actual semester of college, will a positive trend from here on out be considered? Uh, Mason, it's kind of a silly question. The answer, of of course, is yes. Uh, Any positive trend anywhere is great. Um, Obviously, if you have a positive trend followed by a negative trend, then you don't want that. But as long as your grades are going up, then, of course, it's it's good. Um, medical schools have the ability to, to sort and filter based on whatever, however they want. Um, you'll hear, or you have heard, um, if you're listening to this in the podcast, um, that at least for Texas, and and I'm sure it's the same for the other medical schools, Texas, they upload all of those data points from the application. Everything that you've entered gets transmitted to the schools, and they have their own software, whatever they're using, to manipulate that data and use how they want to use. And I've talked to admissions committee members who say, you know what, I look at the last 20 hours of sciences. So they have that ability to filter and, and, and basically tell the computer program, Show me the last 20 hours of sciences for this student. And if there's a solid GPA there, then great. They're going to be able to handle medical school. Let's go on to the next step, read their personal statement, etc. So you always, always, always want that positive trend. Um, Xavier and how I wish Canadian medical schools have personal statements in their applications. They have essays, Xavier, in their applications, just a little bit different. Um... Uh, obviously, yes, GP and MCAT are important for medical school as well. So, those are the questions that came in. Again, if you have questions in the future, I would love for you to call them in to our voicemail, hotlo- hot, voicemail hotline at 617 410 6747. Again, 617 410 6747. All right, so there you have it, a ton of great Questions. Again, if you have any questions, 617 410 6747 is the feedback hotline or question hotline to ask the questions. Again, don't leave your name or don't leave your number or any um, contact info in those voicemails. Go check out our Facebook page, medicalschoolhq.net/slash Facebook, so you can watch and be notified when we go live on Facebook. Go look for Ask Dr. Gray pre-med QA and um, as a podcast, which is taking those Facebook Lives, turning them into a podcast. If you're in the Southern California area and are looking to uh, come hang out, um, August 21st will be a dinner. August 23rd is the Academy of Podcasters Awards Ceremony that I'd love for you to come hang out with me and uh, see all the glitz and glamour and uh, shenanigans that happen at podcasting conferences if you want to come hang out and do that should be fun. All right. That is all I have for you today. Um, A couple other mentions real quick. November 4th and 5th, AMSA Pre-Med Fest in Tampa, Florida. If you can make it, be there. I'll be speaking. I'll have my table set up. Um, I'll bring books and we'll do lots of fun stuff. Again, I'll probably do another meetup then as well. Um, use the promo code MSHQ17 again, MSHQ17 until October 25th, 2017 to save some money off of your registration. Again, AMSA Premed Fest. Go check it out at AMSAPremedFest.org. All right, that is all I have for you today. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here at the Premed Years and Med Ed Media.